When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back, fight fans, to the Big Fight Preview for this weekend's Big Fight. It is Kiko Martinez defending the IBF title against Josh Warrington. A rematch of their 2017 bout in which Warrington won via a unanimous decision. But this time... He's on the back foot. Josh Warrington is the man trying to become a two-time IBF featherweight champion. And Kiko Martinez, well, there's still life in this old dog just yet after he knocked out Kid Galahad in his last fight to capture that title in spectacular fashion. Johnston, this is actually a really good fight this weekend. And people might not think that Kiko Martinez has a lot left to offer. But I think he does, and I think he gives Warrington a good fight, and we will get into why we think this might actually be a better fight than what people may anticipate. But I just want to get your initial thoughts on this fight. Now it's upon us. Now we've got Warrington going for the IBF title again against Martinez. What are your initial thoughts about this fight this weekend? My first initial thought um, is why is Kiko Martinez fighting Josh Warrington, to be honest with you. Uh, I felt that... um, it should have gone to Lara. My personal opinion, that was the first thing I thought, how on earth has he managed to get it? Should Lara not be going for it? He's, uh, I know he fought the other sort of recently, but honestly, that's what I felt. I thought that should have been a unified fight. But, you know, look, it is what it is. Um, Warren has got the fight. He's obviously looking at it and thinking, yeah, this is, this is, this is a layup for me. I, I sort of hope he isn't thinking that way, but that's just my initial thoughts. So, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people are writing Martinez off. I have... Sort of, I, I myself, I did it. But to be quite honest with you, the Morris fight sort of edging closer. I think with Warrington sort of on a bit of bad form at the minute, I think this is a perfect time for Martinez to to spring a surprise. Well, we'll go into that 
and we'll talk about yeah. Martinez first and foremost, Johnston, because Martinez has been on a good run of form as of late. And we'll talk about a few of his fights that he's had recently. In particular, the Zelfa Barrett fight when he fought Zelfa in February of 2021. When arguably, he should have got the decision. But he didn't. And Zelfa Barrett got the decision. Now, that was quite controversial. And we thought that was going to be a rematch. And it, and it hasn't happened. Instead, Martinez has then gone on back to Spain. And he's beaten Heor Duran in eight rounds. In a nice little eight-rounder for him. And then he got a shot. Uh, Kid Galahad and knocked him out in spectacular fashion in six rounds. One of the knockouts of 2021, of course, one of the, the upsets of 2021 because nobody expected a 35-year-old Kiko Martinez to beat the slick, punching Kid Galahad. And yet, here we are. We're talking about Kiko Martinez, the defending featherweight champion against Josh Warrington, somebody who he's already fought and, and lost to in 2017. Now, he's 36 now, Martinez, and Father Time is clearly going to be catching up with him. But has he got one more big fight in him left? Can this be that fight? Can this be that old man fight where he shows us that it's age isn't just nothing but a number? And we've seen this before from, from fighters in the past. Bernard Hopkins is probably the epitome of that. The amount of times Bernard Hopkins went on to upset the apple cart and fight guys that were younger than him and, and, and school them and beat them. But is it a tailor-made fight for Josh Warrington? Kiko Martinez and his recent career, what have you made of this resurgence that he's been on? Impressive. I'll be honest with you. I think the Barrett fight, I think he probably he deserved to get the nod. Um, I mean, he had Gary Allen Russell Jr. fight, uh, got stopped in the fifth there. Um, that was, what, 2019. But he's fought them all, hasn't he? I mean, he's fought Warrington before. He's fought Santa Cruz. He's fought Scott Quigg. He fought Cole Frampton. And I know Quigg got rid, got rid of him impressively. And I sort of felt back in 2015 that that was pretty much it, especially when Warrington then beat him. But then when I see that, uh, not, sorry, Santa Cruz knocked him out. And then I see the Warrington fight and I thought, OK, Martinez was a bit unfortunate that night. Um, I thought Josh Warrington didn't really perform to the best of his ability. Um, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a bit of a dubious one. Um, I sort of feel like, yeah, I can understand how Warrington could have got that because it was close on the cards at times with one of the judges. But I thought, we, you know, there was there was moments in that fight where I thought that was that. In fact, that was the fight where I was like, Warrington's not really made tailor-made to be a world champion and then he goes on and produces some magnificent performances on his side which we'll go into in a minute but um yeah he's a, he's he's just he, he, the thing is he's a world level fighter martinez and you know when you look at his career and you look at that wonderful knockout against kid galad and i think it was our knockout of the year i think we give it i, I think it was it was definitely a contender um you, you can't help but think that um you know it it is just an age. I mean, he's shown that he's still got that right hand. I do think he's a stronger man as well. I do think he's stronger than Warrington. So it's going to be interesting. But I'm being impressed. And you just can't write him off. I think too many people are writing off Martinez too quickly. You don't know what you're going to get. It could be... Well, you know what you're going to get with Martinez, but you just don't know whether the age is going to creep in in this fight in particular. It may do. But then there are questions about Warrington, which we'll go into. But I've been impressed. I literally wrote him off a few years back and he's maintained his level, you know, at that world level, he's just been missing out and then he gets a great chance, beats Galahad and, um, well, now he's the world champion. It's fantastic, really. 
So look at Warrington then and look at where his career trajectory has taken him. Obviously, when he beat Martinez in 2017, he went on a really good run of victories, beating Dennis Chalan, uh, upsetting Lee Selby, then beating Carl Frampton, then beating Kid Galahad. And then for them three fights alone, yeah. everybody, including ourselves, felt like this is it. Josh Warrington is, you know, he's great. He's, he's a potential to unify this division. We were talking about that fight with Kanzu. And obviously that never happened because after he fought Sofiane Takut, he come in there against Mauricio Lara. Now, bearing in mind, obviously, there was time out of the ring for, for multiple reasons. The pandemic was the biggest one, of course. But when he come back and he lost in nine rounds and he got outclassed in that fight to Lara, all of a sudden he came crashing down and it kind of felt like what people had been saying about Josh previously, which is, you know, he can be quite easier to hit at times, and, you know, he, he sometimes he can trade maybe with the wrong type of fighter. It was proven in that particular fight. Now, he come back from that, and he had the rematch with Lara, and obviously it ended in round two because of the cut over the left eye in the second by that accidental head clash. So we never really got to see the outcome of whether Warrington would overcome Lara, and they haven't run that fight back. And he's gone straight into this fight with Kiko Martinez now. So there is still vulnerabilities with Josh Warrington that we haven't really had the answers to in my mind yet. And Kiko Martinez is a dangerous opponent. No matter what people say, no matter what people think about it, he is a dangerous opponent. And he is a potential for causing yet another upset by beating the younger man. The man that maybe people feel will go on and win this particular fight. Now, for me, Josh has got to stamp his authority on this fight really early on and he's got to he's got to hurt Martinez he's got to command that respect because I don't think Martinez is going to go in there with a great deal of fear he'll have the obvious fear from from being a professional and going in the ring but I don't think he's going to fear Josh Warrington maybe the way he did the first time he fought him maybe now he knows there's that vulnerability and there's a chink in his armor and the questions haven't really been answered after that Lara fight maybe he will go in there with more confidence seeing what Lara was able to do to him. And that that's quite a worry and a concern if you're a Josh Warrington fan, is that we haven't really seen him answer them questions again from that Lara fight. And this is going to be the fight to do it. This is the perfect fight for Josh to do it. If you're a Josh Warrington fan, now's the time for him to put that episode to bed, to put that nightmare of a fight to bed, really, and, and say, look, I can become a champion again. Maybe after that, we can look at what's next. Maybe he will fight Lara again in a third fight. Maybe he could fight Lee Wood. We mentioned that on the Lee Wood-Michael Condon reaction show just over a week ago. We mentioned that fight being a huge fight here in the UK. And that would be the obvious fight if he wins. But this is a difficult fight. This is not an easy fight for him. No matter what we may think about Kiko Martinez, whether he's getting on a bit, whether this is you know, a bit of a cash grab for Kiko at this age of his career, or whether he's just a hungry fighter who, no matter what age he is, is going to go in there. And he's, he's still got ambition, is what I'm trying to say. He's still got ambition at 36. He, he clearly has, because he wouldn't have been able to go in there and do what he's done in his last fight and, and knock out Kid Galahad, who, who seemingly had control of that fight until that happened. So it's a dangerous fight for Warrington. But what, what are you thinking then about Warrington going into this fight? What what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously we haven't really had the questions answered from that Lara fight. No, we haven't. Um, and there are still more questions to be asked. I mean, the fact is, is, you know, I wrote him off against Selby. I wrote him off against Frampton and he wins them um, comfortably in, in two great fights. He actually brought the best out of them too, I felt. And in the kid, 
Galahad fight after that, I thought his his performance dropped a little bit. I think he even admitted that, and I think Kid Galahad gave him problems that night. And some even suggested he won. I don't think he did. I think Warren did win the fight. It was just um, it was it's difficult to fight Kid Galahad, and he fought on the back foot, and, and Warren couldn't really. I think it was more of a an in, inside of himself where he couldn't get up to the fight after you know after being in such big fights with Selby and Frampton. Everyone writing him off. A lot of people did. Most most of them, for me in a way, in particular, I think he went into both them fights as the underdog, and that helped him. Um, you know, especially, you know, with the fans behind him as well. And I think he needs that. And I think that may have been the problem with Lara. I think he overlooked Lara. I think he never had the fans of him. I think he needs the fans. He needs that adrenaline for him to perform. And he he un- overlooked him and, and Lara busted his jaw. I mean, that's what he did. He, he, he mashed up his eardrum and, and he fractured his jaw. And that is a concern for me because, you know, any fighter that busts up their jaw like that, uh, it is a concern. I don't care who you are, uh, unless you're Muhammad Ali, who manages to fight on against Kendall and then still managed to pull it out of the bag in their third fight, although he found it difficult. This is the point I'm trying to make, is when you've busted your jaw like that, that first dig, you know, that first few first few rounds, you're going to be a little bit more anxious, a little bit more nervous, and you don't really want Warrington to be fighting on the back foot. He needs to be the man taking the centre ring and putting him under pressure. It's, it's, it's tricky because he's got the Leeds fans back. You know, it's in Leeds. He's, he, he's going to have that atmosphere. Kiko's been in that environment plenty of times where he's come in as the underdog and, and still managed to do the business. So it's a very intriguing intriguing fight. And it's difficult to see what at, what that defeat against Lara has taken from him. And then having that pumped up, that ambition to want to go and win the rematch... And then it gets stopped in the second round because of a cut. And there were a couple of hairy moments in, in those in those two rounds in particular. I felt there was a couple of digs that Lara landed that I don't think Warrington liked too much. And it would have been interesting to see if that had have gone on. Yeah, look, I, th- th- there's a lot of questions there for Warrington. I've questioned him before and he's produced the goods. So maybe that is a good thing for him. If he can question himself and he can get his mind right, get that crowd behind him, then I think he could have a good night on Saturday but there are a lot of elements there where is Martinez too old is he going to start feeling that or is he on a little purple patch a little resurgence where you know he's had the fight warrant he knows what he's going to bring I think he is the heavier puncher Martinez so you don't really want to see Warrington back off but I mean we'll go into how we think this fight so I'll let you jump in first how you think this fight's going to go and who's going to win it Sean but I mean there's a lot of questions in there isn't there there is and this is what the answers are going to be delivered. Hopefully, yeah. the answers are going to be delivered to us on Saturday. But, I mean, if you're Josh Warrington, starting with him first, if you're looking to, to beat Martinez, I think you, you, you have got out hustle Martinez. Martinez is a similar fighter to Warrington. He likes to put the pressure on. He likes to cut the ring off. So does Warrington. So all that's going to make for is a fight where these two are going to fight pretty much in the pocket. And it is mostly going to be about who he's able to outgun, outmuscle the other and you mentioned Kiko having that additional strength over Warrington. I think that's quite evident. But we've seen in the last fight with these two where Warrington was able to get in and out of the pocket quite quickly and quite convincingly. He's got a, he's got to fight the same fight again. 
I think for me, he has to fight the same fight again against Martinez because I think we know what Martinez is going to bring to the table. He's not going to bring anything different. I'd be very surprised if he steps in that ring on Saturday night and brings a completely different game plan. I really, really would. I'll, I'll, I'll eat my words. I'll eat my hat. I'll, I'll, I'll literally eat my hat <laughs> if he comes in and fights a completely different fight. And you can hold me to that as well because I genuinely believe Martinez comes in there and he looks to take Warrington into the trenches and I think this is where Warrington's going to have to be very smart with the way he pressurises Kiko Martinez. I think he, he, if he's going to beat him, he's going to have to be in and out really quickly. He's going to have to be mixing the combinations up. He's going to have to be slowing Martinez down, working the body. That would be the key thing for me is getting inside, working that body and getting out. Slow Martinez down, weather that early storm. Once you've sucked the life out of him and you go into the mid to late rounds of the fight, then you can comfortably take control and, and probably breeze his way to, to a unanimous decision victory over the course of the fight. Do I think he can stop Martinez? No. I, I genuinely don't think he can. I think Martinez can be stopped. We have seen that. He has been knocked out before. But do I think Warrington can do it? No, I don't I don't think he can. I, I think it'll go to the distance. If Warrington's going to win this fight, he's, he's going to take it the distance. Could he stop him later on in the fight? Quite possibly. I mean, it sounds contradictory of me to say that, but it depends on how much he takes out of him and whether Martinez gets old overnight in the ring. A few things would have to happen for me to be convinced that he knocks him out. If he does manage to do that, if he does manage to stop him, I think it'd be later on. I think it'd be between rounds 9 and 12. But ultimately, I think Warrington wins this fight. Regardless of the questions that need answering, I do think he can beat him. I do think he beats him on points. I think he has a couple of hairy moments earlier on, but I think he weathers that storm. He gets down to business. He uses that body punching and he slows him down. And then we start to see Warrington take over in the second half. And Warrington wins for me. Unanimous decision on Saturday night. Yeah, I think, I mean, you are spot on, mate. I mean, you know what you're going to get with Martinez. He's going to come forward and he's going to want to come forward all the time. He's not, in fact, you know, when you watch Kiko Martinez, the reason why he does get knocked out, when he got knocked out against Santa Cruz, got knocked out against Scott Quigg, he's a come forward fighter. And them two just found the right shots. They were perfect. They could fight on the back foot. They had boxing and they had power. In fact, they had a lot. They've got a lot of power, both those guys. They don't have the same power as Warrington. But that being said, Warrington has more power than what people suggest and what his record suggests. Um, Cole Frampton said it after his fight. He was very surprised at how hard he hits. And you look at Selby and you look at Frampton and there were times in those fights where Warrington could have stopped him. So, you know, it's there, but he, he, he has to take a few to come forward and Josh had a great chin. I mean, that's the one thing you would say about Josh before the Lara fight. I always said his chin is solid. And, and I think now, and he, and I know he felt that I used to go to fights. No, Warrant is going to take a few, but he's going to land about four or five of them. And then when they do, they do hurt. Them. So it was almost a given. And now that jaw got busted. I do worry now whether he's going to have that in the back of his mind. And when he does feel that shot is, he's, is not that, the, the broken jaw is going to be a problem. It's more of a mental thing where he was so used to walking through shots. Now, all of a sudden, it's in the back of his mind. And also watching the devastating knockout from Kiko over Kid Galahad, if he lands one of them, that's in the back of your mind as well. So, you know, 
Kiko Martinez is in a win-win situation. He's going to come forward. He's going to press it. I think Warrington needs to try and take that centre of the ring and try and push Martinez back. But as exactly what you say, Sean, he needs to be in there, throwing combinations to the head, to the body, mixing it up. But he needs to be going three and fours and he needs to be coming back out of there, using his lateral movement around the ring, trying to turn Martinez round and then come in again. Don't get silly. Don't stand in there for too long because if he does, he may end up as a cropper and Martinez could land one. And if that happens, that's 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 where, you know, the doubts are in my head. But I do think Warrington understands that. I think he's learned from the Lara fight. I think the first thing he even turned around and said was he was silly for being in, in the pocket for too long and thinking he can exchange with Lara because what happened was is he got knocked out. I don't think he's going to make the same mistake against Martinez. He doesn't hit as hard as Lara, but I think you're right. I think there might be a couple of hairy moments in there, but I think in the end, Warrington continues... With, as long as he doesn't stay there for too long, I think he's absolutely fine. It will take them the early stages all the way through to the middle. And then I think as you, I'm, I can't see him stopping Martinez, but a couple of body shots, you know, Martinez, he, he likes to walk forward. He might walk onto one. And if he does, you know, it could be lights out. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Martinez may get put down. I think Warrington may even get put down. It's got one of those. There are going to. It's going to be a moment where someone's going to get the benefit of someone, and it's just a matter of whether they can withstand it. But in the end, I do believe that Warrington will come through as well with a unanimous decision. Although it might be one of them ones where you know you got the other thing you got to remember is anything close is going to Warrington. Uh, people say you got to take the title away from the champion, and we've heard that so many times. But it's Martinez who's the champion. And Warrington's a challenger, but yeah, anything close will go to Warrington because it's over here. I hate to say it, but it's true. So I think Warrington wins by a UD as well. This is David Eason, host of an all-new betting podcast that's come to the Sports Social Network this week. Hints, tips and analysis, all in under 20 minutes, with each event covered in under 90 seconds. This is Bet Bites, the Bite Size Betting Podcast. Yes, each week we'll have journalists, reporters, commentators, former professionals having a look at sporting events this week to provide you with guidance if you're having a bet this weekend. And where better to start than the big fight this weekend? Josh Warrington against Kiko Martinez. The guys from BTR will be on the Bet Bites podcast this week, giving you their detailed analysis and those last-minute prices as well as look ahead to the fight. But what if you think that this is going to go all the way? The rounds 10 to 12 market, which is with Bet365 and looking at now. Josh Warrington is 9 to 1 to win late on. He's, uh, Kiko Martinez is 14 to 1. By a decision or a technical knockout, is 5 to 6 for Warrington. 20 to 1 for Kiko Martinez. If you think Martinez, the 36 year old, is going to go early and maybe try and smash Warrington in the first three rounds, well, you're going to have one to three rounds at 28 to 1. Warrington early on is 20 to 1. If you think it'll go the distance, well, you're looking at four to six, so a short one on that. A late finish either way is six to 1. On the outright, Warrington is a short one to four. Kiko Martinez is 11 to four. So the value, if you like Warrington, particularly late on, is that price for the group betting. Rounds 10 to 12. Warrington to win then is 9-1. to one. So join us on BetBytes this week. We're out every Friday morning looking ahead to the weekend's events. This weekend, aside from the fight, we've got Formula 1, Challenge Cup Rugby League, we've got EFL football, we've got football from Africa as well with the World Cup qualifiers and the start of the IPL as well. Each one of those dealt with in under 90 seconds or less. And the whole thing's done and dusted in 20 minutes. Well worth your time on a Friday morning. Hopefully, we'll see you there. That's a Bet Bites podcast. Please always gamble responsibly and be gambleaware.org. 
So looking at the rest of the card before we move on to the other action, also happening on the same night on Saturday night, we've got the lightweight division, Maxi Hughes and Ryan Walsh for the IBO World lightweight title which is going to be a pretty decent fight maxi hughes another fighter like martinez who's been on this purple patch as you like to call it johnston the last yeah. four or five fights he's had some great victories and interestingly obviously in 2019 he lost to liam walsh brother of ryan walsh which is quite an interesting concept as well of this fight happening now look at the victories he's had he beat john o'carroll in 2020 that's his standout win beating paul highland in 2021 another standout win for him he got a unanimous decision in his last fight against Giovanni Staffron to win that IBO World Lightweight title. So he's now in a position where he kind of holds the marbles a little bit. But Ryan Walsh is no mug himself. And we've seen Ryan Walsh involved in some great fights. You look at the Tyrone McCullough fight in 2020, the James Jazza Dickens fight in 2020, and then the Ronnie Clark fight earlier on or later on in 2021, should I say, winning over six rounds. For me, looking at this particular fight, it's a case of what has Ryan Walsh got left and how far can Maxi Hughes go as a fighter? Can he move even further forward? Can he challenge for one of the main belts of the division? He isn't an IBO champion for nothing. And whilst people do lightly regard that title there's been many great champions that have gone on to win this and then gone on to win one of the four major belts over the years i think this is a, a crossroads fight really for for ryan walsh more than it is for maxi because maxi's on this on this again resurgence since he lost to liam walsh he's he's been on an undefeated streak and he's beat some really good names and he's proven time and time again that there are more levels to him, hence him being the IBO champion. But this is a, a golden opportunity for Ryan Walsh, an absolute golden opportunity for him to pick up a version of a world title. And really, looking at Ryan Walsh's career, I would say this is probably his last shot at going on to potentially becoming a world champion. If he doesn't yeah. win this fight, I think that's it for me at that level. He doesn't get to that level again. That's that's being brutally honest. I don't think he gets to that level again. To be honest, I've not really seen anything that makes him that level in the first place. But then people might say that about Maxi too. But I haven't seen anything from Ryan that really indicates to me that he is world level. Every time Ryan stepped up to the big plate, he's he's been beaten. And that's, that's just being honest. He got beat off Dennis Chalan in 2016. He had the draw with Isaac Lowe in 2018. Then he loses to Jazza Dickens in 2020. Each time he's he stepped up to the plate, he hasn't been able to deliver. Maxi Hughes has got five losses on his record. But he stepped up to the plate. He even had back-to-back -back losses near enough within three fights. He lost to Sam Bowen in 2018. Then he got a victory, a comeback victory. Then he, he lost to Liam Walsh. But now... He's on this resurgence like Kiko Martinez. And I think he's got an opportunity here to prove that he is worthy of this level. It is a real crossroads fight for me because people are going to say, well, Ryan was never good enough if he loses. Or people might just say, you know, Maxi is just an over overrated champion who, who, who had it easy winning that title. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Uh, I do like it. I mean, I'm Ryan, uh, the one thing I always uh, remember with Ryan is the, the Reese Bellotti fight. And... Um, 
and I was I was surprised. I, I thought Reese was going to win that, and um, and he it was a, a great performance for Ryan Walsh that night, and um, he deserved to get the win, which was I was really pleased for him. And then you know you look at the fact that he stopped James Tennyson as well. Um, now I know it's 2016, but I think with Ryan, I think it's about um, what what he delivers on the night. I think he, on his night he beats Maxi Hughes. Trouble is, is you know Maxi's on this resurgence, and I do think that you know the betting favourite is clearly Maxi, um, just because he holds a title and he's he's had a, a good few, a good few wins on his record already. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Ryan needs to win it. I mean, I, I, I believe he was sort of saying he doesn't dislike Maxi either. He quite likes him. Um, so it's uh, that that could be a problem. I mean, he's saying it's not. You know. It, but you know, if you like someone, it's, it's difficult to find that inner fighting spirit. Um, and I think Maxi is, yeah. As I say, he, he, you know, you just look at the Highland win. Um, the, the John John O'Carroll was a great victory for him as well. I think he takes it, um, but it's it's a close one. I wouldn't if Ryan comes up with the performances he put in against Bellotti and Tennyson, I think he wins the fight. But I don't think he will. I think he's that's just a little bit beyond him now, and I, I don't think he's quite got that fight in it and that desire as much as Maxi and I think Maxi does win it but it's a good one mate so looking at the female fight on this card the world title fight Ebony Bridge is challenging again for a world title she's been gifted so many world title shots it's untrue <laughs> what the hell I know this is exactly what I think about it I'm doing a bit of Bridges bashing here on this episode uh, and it's, it, it's nothing to do with the, what I think of her as an individual, I think it's more the way in which she's used the, the social media platform to get herself in this position. I think that's what I'd, I'd not really liked about this situation. Now, her opponent, the actual champion, Maria Cecilia Roman, is coming in here, the Argentinian, as the IBF champion. Now, she's held that title by becoming victorious. Uh, a couple of years ago, she actually has held this title for, for a number of years, and maybe it is time for this title to change hands she's she's fought in argentina for pretty much all of her career barring one fight in 2021 in the usa which she actually lost by a majority decision which wasn't for the title on the line at that time now ebony bridges this is where the conversation gets interesting about what you make of it all like she she's come in here and she's built this social media platform for most of her fights in australia built this platform and all of a sudden over the course of the pandemic has got herself into a position to fight for a world title against Shannon Courtney and she proved that she has a lot of heart and determination and it was good to see her back up a lot of the the shit she just chat on social media about what she is all about in the ring but she lost that fight and it was quite a convincing loss on some of the judges scorecards as well so then she's come back, she's got two victories, one via TKO against Beck Connolly, and then in the last fight in 2021, she didn't look that fantastic against Miley's Ganglov, and she won on points over eight rounds. Now she's got this opportunity in a nine professional fight to go in and win a world title, and I kind of feel this has been set up for her to be honest. Yeah. And and I know you're saying yes straight away. And I mean, that's that's you putting straight straight agreement in that. I feel like because of the way she's built a social media following, she's very much, 
you know, oh, she's a Leeds football fan as well, and she she wears Leeds tops. She goes and does all all this stuff around the UK. She's obviously now training with Mark Tibbs as well. You know, with Johnny Fisher in the camp, and she's kind of relocated over here to the UK to do a lot of her stuff. And fair play to her for sort of carving out and forging that path and talking her way into this position. But this will tell us whether she is worthy at this world level. She's shown us that she had heart and determination against Courtney. And she's shown us that there are glimpses there that she could be a a really, really good fighter. Now she's been under Mark Tibbs, who's a fantastic coach. Are we going to see the best of her against Roman? Are we going to see her dethrone Roman? And this is the question that I'm asking now is, is she good enough to be a world champion from what you've seen so far? Um, I mean the the uh, the Shannon Courtney fight. I thought she, as you say, I think she gets huge respect for that performance. Um, for, for the fact she dug in and she fought on, although she got beat in the end, she she actually gained probably more respect from that defeat than she has in any of her victories. And um, so I'm, I mean, it is tailor made for her to go and get a, win a world title here. It is. Uh, I mean. You look at uh, Maria Cecilia Ramon. Her first six fights as a professional, she won one. She lost four <laughs> and drew one. And then she moved up um, at, in weight. And she's remained there ever since, pretty much. I mean, well, she I don't know what it was. with she actually, It's like she had a stroke a lot. She just literally changed her style. I don't even know. I don't. I, I honestly can't tell you. But from that moment in 2015, she's got on an amazing run in Argentina all the way through and then wins, uh, wins her world title. She's managed to hold it several times. She's 39 years of age. She's coming over here. Is, it, it, I mean, it's it, it set up for everybody to win the fight. If she can perform, sort of put on the same performance she did against Courtney, I know it wasn't good enough against her, but it may be good enough against Roman. I haven't seen her, so I'm not even going to... I mean, I'm trying my best with female boxing. Obviously, I know Ebony Bridges, but I'm not too familiar with, with Ramon. But looking at her, she's 39. She's had a, a crazy start to her career, and she's gone on a fantastic run. So, who knows? She may be able to produce the goods. I think... I personally think I'm with you. I think, surely, they're looking at that as this is a great opportunity for Ebony to win a belt... And and then look for for other things, but look, you can't even underestimate this Roman girl because clearly, you know, 30, she's not going to forty, but she's still doing it. She might, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm sort of going to back the, the Argentina to be honest with you because I would like to see her win it and hold on to her title just to see how how um, what happens with Ebony Bridges from there. But uh, look, I do think this is made for her. She's got to win the fight, mate. She has to. She can produce better performances she did against Courtney. Surely it should be enough. So we'll see. We will see. Another great fight on this card. Super lightweight division. Dalton Smith stepping up another level. Fate you see in the Irishman, Ray Moyler, with only one defeat on his record for the vacant WBC International Silver Super Lightweight title. A great opportunity for Dalton to put himself higher up in them WBC rankings and making sure that he's stepping forward in his career. So far in his career, he's looked great. And this is another great test for him. I'm looking forward to this fight. I think this this will actually be quite an exciting fight on this particular undercard because I'll be totally honest with you, the undercard isn't that fantastic in my eyes. Maxi Hughes, Ryan Walsh is a good fight. Can't really say much about Bridges, Roman. Dalton Smith, Moylet is probably a better fight and I would imagine should be a little bit higher up the card. Personally speaking, 
probably won't be. Uh, also on the card, Sky Nicholson is making her second professional outing in the featherweight division against Bet Connolly. And then you also have fights which will probably be live earlier on in the evening, talking four or five o'clock in the evening. You have Callum French, Marley Wright and Corey O'Regan also fighting on this particular card. So, we've done our big fight preview. But there is another card on, as I said at the top of the show. We've got the card on at Wembley Arena, which is headlined with Richard Reakpour and Dion Juma fighting in the cruiserweight division, both undefeated. Reakpour at 13-0, Dion Juma at 14-0. This is a really good fight in the cruiserweight division. A really good fight. And this is one I would implore you to make sure you try and tune into this. I mean, if you're looking at both cards and you're looking at fights to pick out for the weekend, this is another standout fight to pick for the weekend for me. Reakpour and Juma, they've got a lot on the line here for both of them. They both need to move forward. Jack Mass is the IBO Cruiserweight Champion. I think both of them, if I was them, I'd be looking down that route and I'd be looking to go forward and pushing for an all-British fight with Jack Massey for the IBO World title. But this is a great fight between the two of them. We've watched both of their careers come up. Reactpo's had a little bit more exposure than what Juma has, but I've been watching Juma on the small hall circuit for quite a while. And I know he's more than capable of beating Reactpour. I've seen vulnerabilities in Reactpour in the fights that he's been involved in. You look at the Chris Billum Smith fight, the McCarthy, the Massey fights, even the Sam Hyde fight in particular. Sam Hyde was definitely beating him in that fight before he had that massive golf ball swelling on the side of his eye. So I think Reactpour, even though he has improved, I think there is vulnerabilities there for Dion Juma. And for Dion Juma, I mean, he's also beaten Sam Hyde. He's, he's beaten Wadi Camacho. Throughout his career, he has got a couple of notable wins on his record, but this will be a big step up for him also. I like fights like this. Two guys that are undefeated at this stage of the career, not shying away from a big fight. And there's nothing on the line for it either. That's the thing. There's nothing on the line. It's not like there's a there's a British title or anything on the line for it. It's just a, a good fight between two prospects that are looking to further their career. And I'm happy. And, and I'd like to say that this will probably be one of the fights of the weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. It is a standout one. I mean, React Paul has uh, he's impressed me. He has. I mean, he, as you say, there have been vulnerabilities within some of his performances. But, you know, his size and his strength inevitably got him through him. Um, the Billum Smith, Tony McCarthy. I mean, these are good wins on his record. Uh, Jack Massey. Um, but what I also like is with... Uh, uh, Juma is the fact is is that he's had those as well like the the Wadi Camacho fight as well which, which is a good learning curve from Sam Hyde another good victory but you're right he hasn't quite had that same exposure as Richard Riappor but it's gonna be very interesting it is it's and you've got to give them huge respect for the fact that they didn't need to fight each other there are no titles you know effectively you would think a British title would be on the line for something like this but nothing like that it is it's just two guys that are trying to prove themselves as some of the, the best cruiser rates around at this moment in time in Britain, just Britain alone. And, you know, when you think Lawrence is sort of out on his own at the moment, you've got React Paul, Billum Smith, uh, even Isaac Chamberlain on the rise, McCarthy, Massey, uh, Juma Watkins. There's so many names that are British fighters in this cruiserweight division, and they've all sort of fought each other. And React Paul... And uh, Juma have, have really, um, yeah, I, I love this. I mean, I love it. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, Juma's a southpaw as well. So whether that's going to that's gonna help him uh, react poor, I don't believe has fought a southpaw yet. I know he's been in the gym with Anthony Joshua and Joshua's giving him certain tips. 
Um, whether that's going to help him or not, who knows? Uh, but it's 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 got all the markings for a good fight, and um, it's going to be very intriguing. It could go either way. I'm edging towards Rapporto. Another great fight for the car. Dan Aziz defending the British light heavyweight title against undefeated 8-0 Matthew Tinker. Dan Aziz, again, another fighter I've enjoyed watching come up the small hall circuit onto the, the, the big channels, the Sky Sports of the world. And I've been watching him for a good few years. I've been involved in boxing about five years now and, and I remember him making his debut in December of 2017 and thinking you know this guy's looks like he's got something and he's going to go somewhere now the big fights on his record were uh, Andre Sterling great victory Ricky Summers great victory but his last outing against Hosea Burton stopping Burton Brilliant. in seven rounds was the one that really has catapulted him onto the limelight now and people are realizing that actually Dan Aziz is a really good contender in the light heavyweight division. We've got the announcement of Richards, Craig Richards and Joshua Boazzi in the light heavyweight division. That's just been announced. Another great fight. Dan Aziz, whilst he won't be overlooking Matthew Tinkart, he'll also be thinking, hmm, what a great fight that is. Where can I fit myself into this picture in the light heavyweight division? Because this is another division domestically that has some absolutely talented fighters in. And we want to see them all fight each other. You've got to remember the likes of Lyndon Arthur and Anthony Yard also floating around in the light heavyweight division. Alongside the likes of Richards and Buatzi. And Dan Aziz is going to want to get a good victory here against Tinker. Who is undefeated 8-0 but hasn't stepped up a level like Aziz has. And automatically, it brings concerns to me as to whether he is ready for this opportunity at a British title. I, I hope he puts on a great fight, and I hope he actually shows us that he is ready for this, and it's quite a competitive fight. But it's difficult, because you look at the level of competition they've had, Dan Aziz is way ahead in his career, whereas Matthew Tinker really hasn't had anybody to prepare him for a fight like this. So that's why it becomes concerning to sort of side with Tinker in this fight. It's hard because you want to see these British guys all do well. And obviously, there can only be one winner in it. But when you look at where they both are in their careers, you're going to say Dan Aziz, the defending champion, has had three good notable wins on his record here, which, to me, makes me believe that Dan Aziz wins this fight and he wins it convincingly. And he puts a show on and then he puts himself in line for a fight with one of these bigger guys in the division. I think he'll be calling for that after this fight. If he comes out there and puts on a great performance, it wouldn't surprise me if in the post-fight interview he talks about these names. He talks about the Boazzi and Richards fights and says, why can't he have the winner of them? If I was him, that's what exactly what I'd be doing. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, I've kept an eye on Dan Aziz because he's from Lewisham, literally where I was, I was brought up in the area. So, um, you know, automatically going to... Um, cast an eye over over him and and he's performed really well in in those performances so far and and he has stepped up a level hasn't he compared to Matthew Tinker I believe what was he born in uh, New York and he resides out here now as well so he's, uh, it doesn't matter that the fact is is um I mean that Burton fight was was just brilliant from Aziz and I think he showed that he's got something and you're right I think he should be looking at why can't he be fighting a Richards why can't he be fighting a Boatsy I and mean, I'd like him to come through this and, and be looking at um guys like um 
Shakan Pitters. I think that would be a good fight, that one. Shakan Pitters obviously losing that to Richards recently, and Richards now fighting Boatsy. Great fight, that. Really pleased about that. And um, But what a great, again, it's a lot like the Cruiserweight division. You've got so many names in here. Obviously, Callum Smith is the main guy in there, but then Boatsy Yard, and then Richards, if you like, he's sort of in between those at the minute. And Lyndon Arthur as well. I mean, it, Callum Johnson. Um, this it's, it's so many names. I mean, and they are... At, again, they're willing to fight each other, which is great to see. And and I do think um, I would like. I mean, I'm going to be rooting for Ziz. I think he's got something over Tinker. I think he will show that. I think the learning curve in the fights he's had is always going to inevitably help him going into this fight. And I think that's what gets him through it. So also on this particular card, we've got Caroline Dubois in her second outing as a professional. We were supposed to see Fraser Clark on this card, but unfortunately he had to pull out, citing a injury to his hand, which he's had an operation for. You've probably seen it on social media that he's had this operation now and he'll be back out soon. 18-0 Joe Pigford, super welterweight, also on the card. Chris wow. Congo, also on the card this weekend. The Azim brothers, a lot has been made of the Azim brothers as well. Hassan Azim 2-0 going for his third professional contest and his brother Adam Azim fighting Conor Marsden for the Southern Area Lightweight title also on this card another another stacked card on Saturday night it's, Saturday night is a really good night for boxing in Britain and they talk about is British boxing getting better is it doing well well based on these two cards alone it certainly is because there are also other cards on there's a York Hall card on this weekend with two Southern Area titles on the line but I wanted to bring it back a little bit to to the Friday night and and sort of look at what's happening on the Friday as well because we can't forget that there are some great fights going on over this weekend there's also one particular name I'm going to mention who's fighting this weekend. I'm going to leave that towards the end of the show because I just want to get your, your thoughts on that, Johnston. Yeah, I know who it is. I know yeah, you've got a yeah, good yeah, idea yeah. of who I'm talking yeah. about already. So <laughs> I'm definitely going to leave that one towards the end of the show. But I'm just yeah. looking at what's going on on Friday. And Troy Williamson and Mason Cartwright is the standout fight. Troy Williamson, as you know, had that great fight with Ted Cheeseman to pick up the British Super Brilliant. Welterweight title. He fights Mason Cartwright headlining that card. And... Probably the most interesting fight on that card for me is Lewis Ritson against Dejan Zlatikarnin. Now, Dejan Zlatikarnin, as we remember, was involved in some great fights over the years. He fought Mikey Garcia, lost to Garcia. He's lost to Roberto Ramirez. If you go back a little further, you can look at some of the other fights he's been involved with as well, including Ricky Burns. For Lewis Ritson, though, this is a perfect fight for him to step up. We've seen Ritson have them defeats on his record and started to think, is he really everything he's cracked up to be? He's had them two defeats. But for me, this is his opportunity now. And it's a great opportunity. It's an opportunity for him to step back up by beating a name like Zatlatakarnan. So they are two notable fights on that card. Thomas Patrick Ward, 31-0 and one draw featherweight. He's also on this card. He certainly, for me, he certainly needs a, a big step up. A big step up now. I think he's at this point of his career where I need to see him stepping up. His opponent, Alexis Cabra, over the weekend, is a good fighter. A great fighter, in fact. But I honestly see Patrick Ward winning this fight. And I honestly think that he needs a huge step up in that featherweight division. You look at the names that we've got in the featherweight division domestically. The Warringtons of the world. The Lee Woods of the world. The Michael Conlons of the world. Thomas Patrick Ward should be essentially now looking at these guys, 
That's that's what I think anyway about his career. That's why yeah. I think he needs to go. Uh, Pat McCormack making his debut also on this card. Uh, Joe Laws, Joe Mafosa, Mark Dickinson also on this card. That's Friday night's card, Johnson. So we've got a really great night of boxing on Friday as well. Yeah, it's good. To, uh, Troy, Troy Williamson, a fantastic fight he had last year with uh, Ted Cheeseman. So it's great to see him back out. <coughs> excuse me, against uh, Mason Cartwright. Um, and, uh, you know, you can't. I just honestly, I've got so much love for the guy for the fact he put on that performance against Cheeseman. I mean, even for Ted, uh, stunning performance. I mean, anything like that, I think he. he he takes Cartwright out. No disrespect to Cartwright, but I do think Troy is the better fight. But great to see Lewis Ritson back. You're absolutely right with uh, Thomas Patrick Ward. All he has ever fought are guys that are just, you know, you just look at the guy's CV and it just doesn't jump out. When you when you think of the names that he could potentially be fighting against, and I mean, I know like we were meant to be talking about the card here, but, you know, it, it is very frustrating when you see it. Um, then that, like, you know, like you say, Lee would obviously win and beat Colin, but you've got Isaac Dogbay in there as well. Um, you know, another name that, you know, he's, he's only he's a small guy, Dogbay. I mean, he's a great fighter. I, I, love, I love Dogbay. I'm a huge fan of him, but Patrick Wall should be looking at guys like that. It, it's just beyond me. But yeah, um, it, it's a decent card. I mean, it is. There's a lot of close fights, um, which is good to see. You don't want to just see um, one guy get bowled over. And and as you say, with Lewis Ritson, big night for him. Needs to get a good victory and push him right back up in the super lightweight division. But um, good. Yeah, it's great to see back at Newcastle. You can't help but think Lewis Ritson can't get the win. But, you know, he's, he's lost before. Um, but good luck to him. So over in America this weekend, some interesting fighters going toe to toe this weekend. Tim Zhu, super welterweight, twenty and oh. We know he's ready for a step up and he's fighting Terrell Geisha this weekend, twenty two, two and one. Do you think this is a, a certainly a step up for him? Because I do. He's oh, fought yes, he's fought Landy Lara twice, he's fought yeah. Austin Trout. You know, he's 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 got some great names on his record, yeah. Albeit he's obviously not been able to to beat the likes of Lara and Lubin, and he had the draw with Austin Trout on his record. But for Tim Zoo at this stage of his career, now he, he needs this fight. This for me, this I think this could be this big breakout fight, this big standout performance where you see these fighters and you look back on the careers and you think there was always that one standout fight that really catapulted them into the limelight. I think this is the one for Tim Zoo. I agree with you. Absolutely. I think um, the fact that Tim Zhu's fighting in America, uh, I think this is the first time he's fighting in America as well. Most of the time he's been in Australia. And if you want to chase titles, you're going to have to come out of your comfort zone. You know, unless you're a big name, like, like fortunate, like Andy Joshua was, you need to travel. Uh, and I think him being in America, he will get more noticed. And the fact is, is that Gusha is, is a great He's got a great uh, amateur background, a former Olympian, um, and he's he can box. He can box. Yes, he lost to to Lubin recently. He has lost to Lara, and he has fell, fell, fallen short, if you like, in, in in those big big fights. But he's the best boxer that Tim Zhu's going to be fighting. It's a great opportunity for him to just showcase himself in America. Let him know that look. look I'm I'm a contender and I'm on the verge of going for a world title. I think it's a big all about the jab for me. Tim Zhu, get that jab off and 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 take control. And I think he wins the fight against Gusha. Could he stop him potentially? I think if he if Tim Zhu stops Gusha, then I think um, he's made a real statement, a real statement. I think he could put him down, um, but it. 
he's, he's a tricky customer, Gusha. You know, he, he's not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I watched the Lara fight, and it was a, an uppercut, I believe, that Lara put him down with. But yeah, I, I'm re- I'm a fan. We're both a fan of Tim, uh, and I think it takes a lot of courage, a lot of bollocks, to go over to America, and it's a lot of a lot of eyes are going to be on him that night. And um, yeah, just just I f- I'm really hoping he gets that stoppage win. I think he wins it. I'm just not sure if he's going to stop him. So Miguel Bachel is back after his loss to Oscar Valdez, moving up to the lightweight division. I don't know if this is a permanent fixture, but he is moving up to 135 in Las Vegas to fight Jeremiah Nakathila this weekend also. But one of the most notable standout fights of the weekend, probably for the wrong reasons, is the fact that El Terrible, Eric Morales, is in a six-rounder against Orlando Salido this weekend. And I'm just wondering, like, what's going on? Like, he's not been in the ring for 10 years since he had them two fights with Danny Garcia, and now he's decided that he wants to fight again, one more time against Orlando Salido. I suppose at least it's against a guy who's of a, a similar age as him. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's fighting a, a youngster again like he did when he fought Danny Garcia in 2012. He's actually fighting someone of a similar age, similar pedigree, Mexican also like himself. I'm just really surprised that uh, he's getting back in the ring again. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, I lost you. Sorry, I lost you. Go on. Uh, did you finish? <laughs> yeah, I just I'd said I'm surprised he's getting back in the Eric. ring again. Yeah, oh, Eric Morales. Um, yeah, really confused about why he's coming back. I, I'm not quite sure what what that's all about. But um, yeah, I suppose he just wants one one another payday. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Salido's, you know, it's a Mexican fight. He's, you know, he's he's been through a lot of fights himself. They've both been through wars. The pair of them. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, really. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not. I'm a bit like you know we, we've mentioned it with these older fighters. They need to stay retired and just leave their great their great fights to the history books and uh, people respect him for that but I suppose he wants to give it another shot why not I'm not going you know I'm not going to knock it. I hope it don't get hurt I think that's the main thing I'm worried about you know you're in so many wars it takes one punch and and, and it could be very fatal for him you know I, I hate to think like that but it's true you just got to be careful you got to look after these old men you can't be having them back in the ring what's going on uh well, never mind them um, but the one I'll tell you one thing I, w- I was going to say is uh, Lee Selby's fighting as well on Saturday night in of all places, Luna Park in Buenos Aires. Um, I'm not sure that one slipped under the radar against an undefeated fighter in Gustavo Daniel Limos in Argentina. So, uh, yeah, Lee Selby heading out to Luna Park on Saturday night as well. Very interesting. So, is there anything else that you wanted to go, go through before we ended this episode, Johnson? I know you mentioned that there were a couple of little bits you wanted to add in before we called it a Big Fight Preview episode. Yes, so um, I'm, I, one thing I did notice was the old uh, PBC card was released, or the schedule, I should say, not the card. Uh, so obviously you've got Tim Zhu and Agusha on there. But then in April, you've got uh, Lubin against Fandora. Fandora's that tall, uh, super workweight guy. Uh, Errol Spence, you guess we know, is in April. Um, and in May, you've got um, uh, Jamel Charlo and Castano, the second fight, which we know. David Benavides is fighting David Lemieux. Uh, Javante Davis is fighting... Um, Roland Romero on the 28th of May and then into June you've got Stephen Fulton Jr. against Danny Roman and then you've got Jamal Charlo the brother of Jamel against uh, Selecki a uh, bit of a disappointment one there for Jamel I think he should be fighting better I think it was it was supposed to be fighting Mungai uh, that didn't uh, come to fruition um, but yeah and then you've the last one on the 9th of July which is uh, Mark Maggot 
Mark Magaseo against Ray Vargas. So, uh, yeah, that's their their schedule for the spring and summer. Great lineup from PBC. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing what other fights can get made around that through the other promotional companies. So that's it for this episode. The biggest fight of the weekend for us is Martinez versus Warrington. We've given our predictions. We both feel that Warrington will come through this, albeit a couple of scary moments earlier on. But it's his opportunity to make that big fight with Lee Wood. That's the huge fight that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. But he's got to come through Martinez first. Can he do it this weekend? You guys have got to tune in to find out. You can catch the big fights this weekend on DAZN. You can find the Warrington card on DAZN. You can find the Wembley Arena card on Sky Sports. Again, promoted by Ben Shalom and Boxer. Or you can go and check over our friends at Daz TV. Go and check them out on Twitter at Daz TV for all the available services to be able to catch some of the greatest sports out there that's it fight fans thank you for listening to this episode we'll be back with the reaction show next week for all the action and more news in the world of boxing Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.